Welcome, and thank you for listening to the podcast of North Etowah Baptist Church. Visit us online at northetowah.org. Rather than church being a place where people far from God are met with shame, guilt, and condemnation, we believe Jesus leads us to be a family that extends His grace, mercy, and forgiveness to everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's service. I'm going to be primarily in Acts chapter 4 today, at the end of Acts chapter 4, then go into Acts chapter 5. But I was going to tell you about a game show that my boys have got me to watching lately. Um, It's called The Toy Box. Have you ever heard of the game show called The Toy Box? Uh, I didn't know if many of you had really. I don't even know if it's a a show that is out now. It might be one of those DVR recorded things. But what the premise is that you have these inventors that make these toys and they come in before a panel of judges. These judges are kids. And the kids determine whether you get to go forward or not. So you you design and invent a toy, a game or something. You come in before these judges and you let them play around with it, look at it and decide if you should proceed on. The, The prize would be that you would get a contract from Mattel to be able to have your game or your toy in Toys R Us. Now, that ought to date it a little bit. I've been thinking that might be telling us something because Toys R Us is, is, might not be alive much anymore. So that might be dating this show, but I've enjoyed watching and seeing these kids react to these toys. But the reason I tell you that is because a lot of times kids play games. And that's a good thing for kids to play games. They like to pretend. They like to be things. They like to dress up. They like to be superheroes and and cooks and chefs and and different things as they are pretending and playing uh, the games that they play. And it's normal and good and healthy for that to be. But the, the issue is when we adults take all that normal playing and keep playing when we get to be adults. We carry that childish pretend behavior into adulthood. You know, we're all guilty of that. We're guilty of pretending to laugh at a joke that we thought wasn't that funny after all, but we wanted to be accepted by that person telling it. We, we you know, we, we try to not do it, but we give money just because we want people to think we're generous. We wrap up a bunch of $1 bills in a, in a $10 bill so it looks like we've given a wad, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe you want to pose a deep question. You go look up some deep question and, and then you take it to the pastor or to a, to a professor or to a teacher and, and you want to propose that deep question so that you look like you really have studied. You, you, do you get what I'm saying? We like to pretend to be things that we're not. It makes us start feeling a little childish, doesn't it? We do those things, even adults. And I believe that probably all of us, at some point or another, have done that. The issue is this. For kids, it's just childish, fun behavior. But for us adults, God calls that sin. Another word for that pretending is a word that I used to hear in the old Southern Baptist Church, hypocrisy. Y'all heard that word? You know, I used to hear the, I'm off my, I'm going to step over here and just tell you, I used to hear about backsliding. I thought, what in the world? Backsliding. (laughs) I I used to, as a kid, wonder, what in the world is that? That just means that you are not doing what you know you ought to be doing and you're going the wrong direction. 
But as a kid, you hear these things. So it's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy as a kid, it starts with an H, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is just you pretending to be something you're not. And Jesus spoke of that hypocrisy in Matthew 6. He said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. In other words, you're just doing things just to be seen. And for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, you've received your reward. We don't come in and shaking all the change and, and then the poor widow gives her little mite. She was giving all she had. But we're going in making sure everybody sees what we're doing. That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus later warned that, that these hypocrites are what's going to populate hell. That's in Matthew 24, 51. What is this hypocrite? In high school I learned that when I was in, I think my sophomore year in English class. They told us about hypocrites and what they did. They had these masks that, that they would change. And, and in the old Shakespearean uh, schools of, of acting, they, you wouldn't have a big cast. You would sometimes have a small cast. And so I might have to be this character and go off stage, put another mask on and come out and be this other character, go off stage, put another mask on, be a different character. So that's what a hypocrite was. That's where that word comes from. It's these elaborate masks. But one way we sin is when we do the same thing. You see, even Christians, we got elaborate masks that we wear and we pretend to be stuff and people that we're not. In our section of Luke's history here, Luke, Dr. Luke wrote Acts. And here in Acts chapter 4, this is the history of the early church. And I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here just so you can get what's going on. In Acts chapter 34, beginning with verse number 32, okay? Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse number 32, the same thing that I'm talking about, this hypocrisy is happening in the early church. Let's see what God's word says about it. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and then we'll keep going into Acts chapter 5. Now the number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? 
While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? And you have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much? And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all of those who heard these things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray, God, that we would delve into it the way you want us to. Let us hear from you, God, in a special way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Some of you may be saying, what's the big deal about pretending? Kids do it, and what's the big deal about me pretending? Let's look closely here at this text, though. This chapter of, early, of the early church starts out really great. There's a lot of good stuff going on. There's powerful preaching. You can read that. Uh, the, they're just, they're, everything's going wonderful there in Acts chapter 4. There's a wonderful, sweet fellowship. Uh, verse 32 says, Now a number of those who believed were of one heart, one soul. So everything is going along wonderfully. They had unity that Jesus had prayed for them there in the Garden of Eden. They were ministering to each other's needs. They were experiencing some powerful, deep Bible teaching and Bible study and worship. It's impacting their life. They're hearing from the Word of God. They're going out and they're applying it to life. Everything is going wonderful. They've got their practical needs. They're, they're fulfilling. They're feeding the hungry. They're giving to the food pantry. They're providing clothing. They're taking care of the shelters of people. they got warming shelters. They're doing all the stuff in Jesus' name and the church is so faithful. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. Everything is grand. It's going great. The people were so very sacrificial to sell everything and to give and they were glad to give it. Why were they so glad to give it? Well, for one thing, they knew what Jesus had done for them. Jesus Christ had given them his very life. He had given them his all and they thought what a response. What little can I do to at least give this little bit to, to him and to his work if he gave everything for me and they were seeing it in Jesus name they could see that, that they were turning something that's temporary see right now we got, we're living in temporary we are all living in a temporary world you may have a hundred years or a hundred and ten if you're lucky Maybe most of us will probably get to 80 or so. We're fortunate to be alive, each one of us. 
We are living in a temporary world and what we have, we want to hoard up and hold on to. But friends, we've got to say, let's provide it and push it forward to minister to the needs and to tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, turning something temporary into something eternal. Friends, that's what we've got to be about. This Christians there in Jerusalem, they understood the reward of their giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Not begrudgingly. Not trying to hide it and put, like I said a moment ago, pretend that it's more than it is. God loves a cheerful giver. You see there in our story there in Acts chapter 4, we're this gentleman by the name of Joseph gave. And the apostles were so impressed, they gave him a nickname, the son of encouragement. <laughs> you see, Barnabas was getting a lot of attention. Why? You see, I read this. I'm trying to figure out why Luke mentioned Barnabas other than to show us maybe why or how we should give. Was Barnabas' gift so great in size? I don't know. Did it come just in the nick of time? I don't know. Was it, was it typical of Barnabas and the reason he became an encourager? I think that's probably it. He was just typical of how he would give. Whatever the reason is, everybody's talking about Barnabas. Which leads us to chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira. They see how everybody's talking about old Barnabas. And they say, well, shucks. I'd like to have some of that accolades. And so they had sold some property. And they decided to give it to the church. The issue was raised. Their gift was different. Because it wasn't a selfless gift like Barnabas, but it was a selfish gift. It was hypocritical. They went in and said, hey, we sold this property. It'd be like us saying, I sold this property for $5,000 when actually I sold it for $7,500. So I'm going to go say, here, I sold this for $5,000 and I'm giving it all to the church work. Your friends, there really wouldn't have been anything wrong with saying, I sold it for $7,500 and I want to give $5,000 to the church work. That's great. But the problem was when they were pretending and acting like they were giving it all. That's where the issue came in, pretending to be something that they weren't. Barnabas gave and he said, here, I'm giving. I'm giving with no strings attached. Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't do that for that reason. They gave it just so they would look good. Pretending to be something they aren't. Wanting the acclaim that Barnabas had. I sure wish people would praise me like they are Barnabas. I sure wish people would look at me and get all that tension that Barnabas has. Maybe if we just go give a little, then, then people will start praising us the way they are. So, so let's go sell some of this property and let's go give it to church and tell them we gave it all. You know... 
I don't want to be too hard on Ananias and Sapphira. Because I thought, I thought about it. And if you think about it, maybe they did intend. They said, that worked for Barnabas. Why don't we go sell off this extra land we got? Let's just give it to the church too. That's a good thing. But I'm afraid that possibly what happened, they sold it. God might have even blessed them. It was worth 5000 and they sold it for $7,500. God, they had a bidding war of somebody wanting to buy it maybe. I don't know. And they got to looking at it and said, well, you know, Sapphira, <laughs> I didn't expect to get this much out of this property. You see, the reason God blessed them is because he said, if you're going to give it all to the church, then I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make it bring even more money. But you see, oh, Ananias, and I'm, I'm ad-libbing here making this. You know, Sapphira now, we thought it was going to bring about 5000 So why don't we just give the church 5000 God has blessed us, and, and he, he did that just so. Why don't we just keep back some of it? You see, the problem was not the issue of what they were giving. Again, please don't hear that. The issue was that they were pretending to give or do more than what they were actually doing. And Satan himself had led them to this lie. You see that in Acts 5 and verse 3. It tells you that Satan himself had filled, filled their heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Satan's purpose is to get you to oppose God's work. His name literally means adversary. When God is at work, Satan is going to be on the tail and friends we have been preaching that we've been teaching that we've been saying that and when God is doing a mighty work in our congregation here in this congregation here in Acts God is going to be exalted and Satan can't stand it he is going to do all he can to weasel his way in Satan likes to attack believers from within and that's what he's going to attempt to do in Romans 16 verse 17 and 18 he said the God's word says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles and contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, but by their own appetites, and they smooth talk and flattery and deceive the hearts of naive. Understand this, Ananias and Sapphira were not keeping part of the money. That wasn't the problem. It was lying and pretending to give it all. They wanted those accolades. They wanted to make a little profit on the sale. They thought nobody's going to know. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, God Almighty is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows what you're doing. He knows the intent of your heart. God used, look what happened. God used Peter to remove this spiritual cancer from that body of believers. Before it could spread any further, God said we got to take Ananias and Sapphira and push them aside. And that's in verses 4 and 5. When you, why have you contrived this evil deed in your heart? You have not lied to man but God. When Ananias heard these things, he fell down and breathed his last. Friend, today, do you need to confess to God? Do you, this morning, need to confess to God anything before he has to remove you? That's the question. Does, is God calling you, me, some of us, to be Peter, to stand up to what's being done wrong? Because notice verse 11. Let this resound among us. Chapter 5, verse 11. And great fear came upon the whole church. 
and upon all who heard of these things. We've got to take heed to this scripture, church. Church is not to be a hospital for sinners. Or yes, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It is to be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. We have got to make this place the hospital that God wants us to be. We must never be like Jesus described in Matthew 15. He said, you hypocrites. You did I, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honor me at their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So why is it a big deal? We gotta quit being hypocrites if this is applicable to you. The church today has got to get back to being the true church that God called out. We have let it go too long. Let it be said that North Etowah Baptist Church turned on this day and we decided to follow God's direction and get back to the religion, <laughs> the old-time religion of our granny and grandpa and grandpa and grandma and on back and on back when they stood true to what God was calling us to do. Verse 11, one last time. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. I hope that we are getting worried, getting anxious, getting scared because of what we see happening all around us. We have got to get back to the basics of life. Get back and let this verse resound in our hearts to know that when we are going contrary to what God wants us to do, God is going to take us out like he did Ananias and Sapphira. Great fear should come upon each one of us. So I ask one final time, do you need to come to this altar? Do you need to stay right where you're at? That's, that's well and good, but you got to do it. Do you need to confess to God before he removes you. Is God calling you to be a Peter to stand up to others that are contrary to what God wants us, them, the church, Christians to be? Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for this time again. And Lord, whatever occurs in this moment of invitation, this moment of response, I pray would bring honor and glory to your name. Father God, I pray that you would help me and help this congregation of believers to stay, to get back to being true to only to you and to look only to you proclaiming your son Jesus above all. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus our Savior. And we confess to you how we know each one of us have been pretending a lot. Every one of us have done that. And Lord, we confess to you 
that we are so sorry and we don't want to do that any longer. God, whatever needs to occur, maybe there's somebody here right now that, that is not a Christian and I would love to talk with them about the saving power of Jesus. Let them come. Let them talk to me. Let them talk to somebody there in the pew next to them. How do I be a Christian? How do I get to be a Christian? Admit your sin. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Confess him as Lord and turn and walk toward him. God, whatever needs to occur in this moment, let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the services at North Etowah Baptist Church. If you made a decision for Christ today, head over to northetowah.org slash contact. Fill out the form and someone from our staff will be quick to contact you. Not to mention, we'd love to worship with you. All worship times and other activities can be found on our website. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.